Love it. Love it. A short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. All right, Hitler. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. Hello. Fucking Italian. The American people, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. I'm gonna fuck them all. I'm gonna fuck them all. Well, who the fuck are you? Hambo, Hambo, where you been? Our stage name, bitch. Here I come, ladies. My goal is to fuck so hard. Love the juice. funny welcome (laughs) (laughs) i I make you funny thank you (laughs) it's only funny when i take it all and jam it all together into one place then it's funny how we met otherwise it's just it's just it's just sad (laughs) welcome back to the cold war 146 uh we're we're still we're still doing the juice (laughs) someone's Um, got to i hope you're okay with that turned out to be a lot longer of a little mini series than i thought the jew thing but yeah. Yeah. How do you think the Palestinians it. feel? <laughs> it's gone a <laughs> lot longer than they probably thought right. too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, I want to shout out to uh, Mia Leong. Okay. Uh, Mia, Mia, Mia sent us a nice email. Uh, I'm assuming that's. Uh, I'm assuming Mia is a uh, female that's, of that's, the female why persuasion. Why not? But uh, if not, hard to tell. Yeah. Really good for you either way. Um, <laughs> we 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 appreciate Mia anyway, right. uh, male, female, in, in or between, in between, right. doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. they they them uh, <laughs> stuff. I've been, I've been watching a lot of trans media recently, so I can become more familiar. Oh. There's a great trans show um, huh. on Netflix, I think, called. Yeah. Uh, Somewhere? No, hold on. Yeah, I'm right. I'm I'll wait. Bring it up. You need it. You need to watch <laughs> this more than anyone, <laughs> man. Like fucking hell, you're the worst. Even worse than me. Um, <clears throat> uh, well, it's not really a trans show. Is it's a transtopia show. <laughs> I'm guessing. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, anyway, oh, work in progress. Uh, work in progress. Good show. Okay. It's written by stars uh, a LGBTQ lady. She she says she self identifies as a fat queer dyke. Um, now, if I said that, <laughs> right? Yeah, hate mail, hate mail. I'd get in trouble. But that's right. yeah. Good. Abby McEnany is the name. Chrissy and I have been watching this. Good show. Okay. Really good Welcome show. But, and and the, what I like about it is the people on the show are confused about the whole trans terminology <laughs> thing and what should you call these people and how. And it's good, yeah. right? It makes me feel a lot better. Right. It's, it's, it's obviously made for people like us to make us feel better, but right. um, it's good. Anyway, Mia, getting back to Mia. Right. Uh, Mia writes, uh, hey, Cam and Ray, even if he never does his reading, uh, shout out from Portland, Oregon. That's nice. Fan here, a recent DEFCON 2 subscriber, wanted to let you know that I love the show. I was a political science major in college and general massive Cold War nerd. Nice. 
and uh, says that her colleagues uh, make fun of her and stuck a big picture, basically saying, I love the Cold War on her desk. Um, I like her, la- uh, her, I think it's a her, last line. Uh, Unlike Ray, I lasted too long, but basically love the podcast <laughs> and thanks so much for the great stuff. <laughs> well, we all play to our strengths. I'm just still looking boom, for mine. Boom. So thank you. Yeah, well, we found your strength. It's the soundboard. <laughs> thank you. And I'm out. Yeah. I fucked your wife. Uh, <clears throat> so, anyway, on with uh, the Jews. So, we're still talking about the Great Arab Revolt of 1936. Yes. And then we're going to get into the sort of the World War II period over the next couple of episodes, as obviously things Ooh. changed dramatically yes. during World War II in terms of perception of the Jews. You know, up until this point, uh, all the major players, like the major European and American players, uh, are like, you know what? Fuck the right. Jews, uh, really. Pain in the ass. Um, yeah, you know, there's a bit, few few sort of Zionist sympathists there, but generally speaking, everyone's like, fuck the Jews. And then, obviously, during World War Two, that they're like, oh shit, yeah, okay, we gotta um, do something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, I mean, and by do something, we don't mean bring no, them to our country. Fuck no, because no, no, fuck no, no but. Some other bodies, someone Some else's countries. Someone we can push That's... around. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, so the Great Arab Revolt of 1936, British destroyed hundreds of Arab homes in places like Jaffa when they cracked down finally. And as I said last time, the Arabs moved to the countryside and then urged their people to rise up against the British. Yes told them that this was their last chance to save their country from being taken over and how right they were. Exactly. And the one thing that amazed me was, yeah, I think it was um, like after the harvest, because remember, these are these are villagers. These are farmers. These are, you know, pe- uh, workers, people in the field or whatever. So after the harvest in late May, June, there's when the farmers start to rise up. And in some ways, these people come together, they form clans, and then they try to outdo each other in patriotic acts of violence towards the Jews. So like you said, this is really ramping up. The Brits and the um, and the Jewish people in Palestine have a big pain in the ass going on right now. What is that? Did I see you down in young girl's town? Sorry. Every time you say harvest, so, I think of Neil Young. <laughs> Keep going. No, it was good. Yeah. So... <laughs> Yeah, so the, for the for the first time, full-time guerrilla units of the Arabs emerge, and the Haganah are doing what they can to try to intercept these attackers before they reach someone's home. It always doesn't doesn't really always work out, and so there's massive fighting on either side, and it's it's just getting ugly, and it's on a scale that it hasn't been before. But the Arabs were struggling to get the people in the countryside to yeah. really join up on mass because. British occupation had actually been a good thing right. uh, in the short term yeah. for a lot of people. I mean, the under, well, obviously during World War One, it had been horrible. We talked mm-hmm. about that. And before that, under the Turks, hadn't been great, particularly for the Arab majority in the country. Right. The minority in the cities, the, the Christians and, and some of the Jews in the cities, as we've talked about, did okay. They got jobs in the uh, Turkish administration, the Ottoman administration, but yeah, generally speaking, wasn't great. But the British actually, you know, you know, I, I hate to say anything positive about the British, as <clears throat> he does. you know, he does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, particularly fucking Martin Darlington. Like, seriously. Okay, yeah. He's we... smiling right now. <laughs> and Tommy, Tommy the Mock. Oh, Tommy the Mock. Um, but under the British, taxes had decreased. Yeah. There were improvements in public services like health and security. And then on top of that, after years of drought in 1936, there was a good crop. There'd uh, right. been some rain. Uh, farmers were like, well, we could go and join your rebellion, Luke Skywalker, but <laughs> or, uh, we've actually, we could actually harvest our crop for a change. and make some money for the first time right. uh, 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 forever. But after they harvested the crop, then they rose up. They're like, all right, we got that out of the way. Let's, let's, yeah. let's go fight uh, Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> By the way, I, I did watch... Oh, you did? The last Star Wars film in the last week. Yeah, okay, I watched a let me, downloaded rip version. Oh, nice. <sighs> let me let me reverse the, the obvious question. On a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being really bad, 1 being not so bad, how disappointed were you? 11. <laughs> well, no, listen, I wasn't disappointed because I had zero expectations. Mm, After mm-hmm. the last one, I knew I was going to hate this one, which is why I waited so long to watch it. Right. And it lived up to my very, very low expectations. I, in fact, I, and this is honest, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being outrageous right, for the right, sake of it. Right. When, when it finished, Chrissy and I just looked at each other and went, ugh. I could not think of a single good thing, and I still can't a week later, a single good thing to say about it apart from the fact that it's now over and I never have to subject myself to the idea of going to see a, a Star Wars film in the main right. storyline arc again. Yes. Uh, seriously, not a single good thing about it. It was just a fucking travesty from beginning to end. Yeah. And and I, I know it's hard to tie up all those loose ends, but they, they pretty much fucked that up too and left it unsatisfactory. Uh, unsatisfactorily for me. So. I seem to remember you saying positive things about well, it on Facebook. I, I have a different attitude. I, I, Fuck, I go fucking in, hypocrite. No, 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 no. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was like, yeah, okay. I wouldn't have done any of that. But it's a film. It's not It's not a lifestyle choice or a religion or whatever. Hey, you know. hey, don't you say that about my Star Wars. <laughs> that has been my religion and lifestyle choice since eight, age of eight, oh, motherfucker. That explains a lot, actually. Um... It's a film. I just try to enjoy it as such. No. But yeah, you know. No, it's not. It's not just a film. That's like saying Doctor Who is just a TV show. No. These are the things that have been the set. When I left, see, the, here's the difference between you and me, yeah, Harris. Right. You stayed religious your entire life. When I was eight, I left my church. You became a Padawan. I grew up in. Right. Became part Jedi, part uh, Time Lord. Right. The Doctor. <laughs> And the Jedi were the formation of my religious, oh. spiritual, social conscience as a kid. Yeah. Like, I, I wanted to be part Jedi, part Time Lord. That is how I constructed myself. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to go out and fight evil um, and, and use my brain to do it and uh, be a bit of a smartass along the way. That's mission accomplished. Come on, that's basically, yeah. that's me, right? Check, check. <laughs> that's my double check. So, no, not, not just a film for me, my friend. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Chrissy did keep reminding me it's made for nine-year-olds, not 50-year-olds. <laughs> I'm like, ah, yeah, okay, fine. Still disappointed. Yeah. But how to get into that? Oh, yeah, so they did rise up, yes. the uh, Arab uh, countryside. So by the end of the summer of 1936... 
much of the much of the Palestinian countryside was uh, swept up into yes. the conflict. Now, ultimately, the the fellahin, the the peasant farmers, right. were driven by the same sort of political motivation as the urban Arabs that were rising up. The hatred for a foreign ruler. No one likes Duh. a foreign ruler coming in, even if it is. The British, right. and again, I hate to say anything nice about the British, but look, if there's one thing you can say about the British is yeah. they're not Turks. Right. So. <laughs> they know how to rule. Not really, but yeah. You, the lack of Turkish. Yeah. I'm kidding, Turkish listeners. I like you a lot more than the British. I'm just kidding. Uh, they weren't the Ottomans, let's say that. Right. Um, so there's a scale of bad, right? Uh, yeah. They weren't quite as bad as the Turks. But no one likes to have a foreign ruler. And hatred for the infidel um, and hatred and fear of the Zionists taking over their country. So they were There's they had lot. legitimate concerns and grievances and they did finally rise up. By August of 1936, rebel bands were you know, running around doing guerrilla attacks, as you said before, mm-hmm. hit and run operations, cutting telephone lines, attacking... Railway bridges and and traffic and attacking police outposts and some Jewish settlements, it was uh, on for young and old. Right, but see, and here, here's the political side of all of that. During all of this, at least when it first starts up, the H, excuse me, the AHC, the Arab Higher Committee, denied being a part of the revolt. But as the days and weeks went by, it became clear to the British and let's face it, the Jews, that the Arab Higher Committee was organizing. It was actually funding this, and in, in fact. Um, Husseini's, uh, the Mufti's newspaper came out in favor of the revolt. Not only that, but they were also getting to some degree Italian and German money to help with the revolt because obviously Mussolini and Hitler wanted to give the British as much of a headache as they possibly could to tie them down in the Middle East. And so far, this seemed to be working quite well. Indeed. And the SMC, the uh, Supreme Muslim Council, came out Explicitly in favour of the revolt, Hosseini's newspaper, the Al-Liwa, told rebels they should fight until God has pronounced his sentence. Mm. Now, these guys, were get, these guys were getting funding from Mussolini and Hitler. Yeah. We talked in a recent episode about uh, everyone, everyone loved the fascists at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, to pick your side. Right. Uh, but these guys were getting funding from both. Uh, In the words of one uh, sort of contemporary Arab at the time, feeling the whip of Jewish pressure and influence, the Arabs sympathised with the Nazis and fascists in their agony and trials at the hands of Jewish intrigues and international financial pressure. Nice. Yeah. There's a bond. Now, uh, look, you know, when when I read words like that today in, in 2020... It sounds very much like what we've come to associate with uh, anti-Semitism, this idea that, oh, the Jews are secretly doing stuff and controlling right. all this money and blah, 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 Media. blah, blah. But in this case, it's actually, was it's true. <laughs> right. That's the thing about this is there were Jewish intrigues. We've, we've, we've talked about that. We have... We have the private diaries and letters of a lot of the Zionist leaders mm-hmm. from this period that... 
whilst they were saying publicly, no, no, we, no. Can, we all want to live, a, we want live to together in peace and harmony, we want yeah. to help. Secretly, they ha- they from the very get-go, yes. they had the intention of taking over the entire country and evicting the Arabs, or uh, uh, all of them or a large percentage of them, just kicking them out of their own country. Right. They were getting financial support from... Uh, uh, the Rothschilds, mm-hmm. international Jewish financiers. Um, so a, a lot of these anti-Semitic claims, which today, you know, I think most reasonable people don't take very seriously. Right. Like, sure, there are, I'm sure there are Jews that are doing dastardly things out there and trying to overtake this and overtake that because there are psychopaths in the Jewish community as much as there are in any other religious or or ethnic community and yeah. but no more so than than Protestants or Catholics or Americans or British or whatever right it, it's, yeah. it's 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 all the same but in this particular instance uh the the Arabs were right when they were concerned about <laughs> Jewish intrigue right. uh, and international financial pressure um, that's just the facts. I mean, I'm sorry if, well, I'm not sorry if that offends people because it's, it's right. as far as I know, it's the facts. Again, as I always say, if you want to come and debate the facts with me, come and debate the facts. I'm happy to be told I'm wrong and right. why and where. De- debate my facts or de- dispute my analysis of the facts. But as far as I can tell, yeah. that's that's on the money. Right. And, and to take that one step further, we're going to find out tonight. I don't know if it's going to be in this show, probably the next show. It's actually worse than what some of the Arabs think because the, the uh, Zionists have a plan on how to get, not only to get a, a state out of this area, but to also to how to get the... Um, the Arabs out uh, on mass and not just kicking uh, kicking out a family here and there when they buy the land. There's actually a, a plan or a system in place to try to do that in a very large numbers. But going back to the British for a second, all of their worst nightmares are coming true. The Arabs, who obviously there's a lot more of them than there are the British, are rising up. And because of that, because of uh, the headache that they're that they seem to be, the Arabs are giving to the British, there's fraternal strikes in the area. There's demonstrations in Transjordan, Lebanon, Iraq, Syria, because these people are going, hey, if the people in Palestine can do it, maybe we can do this too, and we can finally get rid of these people. So the, it seems that the, the lid is coming off of the British Empire, at least in the Middle East, and if that goes, who knows where it's going to stop? They've got to do something. Yeah, now the Arabs, uh, as I think we've uh, mentioned in the past, suffered from factionalism. Uh, oh, God, yes. And, you know, they, they were split uh, down two major lines at this point, the Hassanis on one side mm-hmm. and the Nashashibis right. on the other side. Nashashibi sounds more Japanese to me. <laughs> Hello. No. 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 <laughs> no? no? Don't do Please that. Don't. Okay. Uh, the Nashashibis, led by Ragib Nashashibi, who uh, had been the mayor of Jerusalem in 1920, appointed by the British. By the end of 1936, there were 200 volunteers coming in from Iraq, Syria, and the Transjordan mm-hmm. coming into Palestine, led by a guy called Fawazi Kawukiji. That sounds Star Wars. Kawukji. I got. I asked uh, one of our Arab listeners to uh, 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 give me a right. phonetic pronunciation for that. Fawazi Kawukji. There mm-hmm. you go. I think that's better. Kawukji. Uh, Fawazi Al Kawukji. 
sorry, Fawuzi al-Kawuchi. He was a former Ottoman officer, had received the German Iron Cross in World War I for fighting with the Prussians against the British wow. in Palestine in World War I. Right. Then when the French took over Syria, he became an officer in the French Syrian army, led a cavalry unit, eventually defected to Ibn Saud uh, to fight against the French. Mm-hmm. And he was he was a fairly prominent uh, participant in Ibn Saud's uh, guerrilla war in Damascus against the French, served as Ibn Saud's military advisor. Um, now he's in Palestine and becomes commander-in-chief of the Arab revolt, mostly affiliated with the Nashashibis, though, mm-hmm. and ends up in direct conflict with al-Husseini. But uh, they've basically brought in... Like, uh, I don't know, what's a good analogy? They, they've brought in sort of... The professional. Napole- Napoleon. Yeah, right. they brought in... the Because, yeah. I mean, like the Arabs hadn't had their own huge military superstars. Right. Um, they haven't had their own ability for a long time to build their own um, armies and, and create their own uh, experienced military guys. They've been part of the Ottoman Empire for centuries. Uh, but they have this guy here who's going to now be... He's now going to lead the rebellion. He's the uh, uh, Han Solo, right. uh, the Arab Han Solo. <laughs> He'll do well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to marry an actress uh, half his age. And, right. uh, you know, he's known, good, luck, good luck to him. Yeah, and he's known for saying, who's scruffy looking? But the point is he knows exactly what he's doing. And they're going to need someone like this because as we've, uh, I think we've said this before or we've hinted at, the British are going to start playing hardball. I think you said they're going to start moving out to the countryside. They are going to take the fight to the rebels outside of towns are going to blow up people's houses if they suspect them uh, helping the rebels. They're going to scatter these people. Um, a whole division is going to be shipped in. So between what the British are doing and uh, the, the fighting itself, the economics of the area, as certainly as far as the Arabs are concerned, they're hurting. And as we all know, these are peasants. They are, as far, they are farmers. You can have your desire to be free, but at the end of the day, you also need to make a living. So they're, they're having a hard time right now. Now, Hassani and the AHC, smart in that they mounted a major propaganda campaign and a fundraising campaign in other Arab states, Mm. Egypt, Syria, Iraq. And the British worried that it would begin to affect their relations with the Arabs more broadly and therefore threaten their control of the Suez Canal, which, as we've explained before, was sort of the... Yeah, and the the pipeline um, to the British economy uh, at the time. So there were there were as a result of this propaganda campaign, there were strikes and demonstrations right across the Arabian uh, region: Transjordan, Lebanon, Iraq, Syria, in support of the cause of the Palestinian Arabs. Yeah. Now by and and, uh, by mid September nineteen thirty six. The economic and military realities faced by everybody, both the Arabs and the British, and to a lesser extent the Jews, mm-hmm. who'd, who'd managed to mostly stay out of it apart from the Haggadah and these sorts of things, and even they were mostly playing sort of a defensive role through a lot of this right. up until that point. 
um, for the, the realities forced them to sort of put a pause on the rebellion. Yeah. The British, the British government had switched from sort of a, a restraint mode to an all out, we're going to fuck you up counterinsurgency mode, as you explained before. Yeah. Um, they just started destroying houses and, and, and going balls to the wall. The AHC, the higher Arab Higher Council, urged everyone to put a pause in the conflict or stop the conflict and get back to work, uh, and a peace deal was arranged. The, the British hadn't agreed to halt Jewish immigration, but they did offer a royal commission Aww. to investigate the Arab grievances. Now, this is a classic tactic. <laughs> Whenever you want to look like you're doing something... Oh, but not actually do something. Put my best people on you, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, Scotty from marketing in Australia right now. He's like, all right, we're going to have a royal commission. Royal. Into the cause Did you hear that? of the bushfires. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So that'll take four years. <laughs> right. And by Millions. the time it's finished, Scotty from marketing will be an ambassador to fucking, you know, uh, Holland or something. Right. And he'll be out of the way. Um, so it's just a way of delaying it. I mean, okay, so our Royal Commission into the banking industry did end up in the removal of some banking CEOs, and our Royal Commission into sexual abuse did result in uh, some angry finger-wagging at the Catholics, but um, really, it's usually just a way of stalling things. Oh, we'll, we'll look into it. Trust me, we'll get back to you on this. We we are going to look into ah, this. Gee. Well, see, the British are masters of this. First of all, they get these people to the point where they almost break. Even even the newspapers were saying, "Okay, we need to we need to end the revolt." So it starts to die down. And like you said, so the British know that the Arabs have their pride. Everybody has their pride. So they're like, "Okay, so the fighting has died down, but we we hear you. We hear the message that you were sending with your fighting. We're gonna we're gonna have this commission. We're gonna look into the." causes of the rebellion in the first place and we're going to get some facts and we're going to act on them oh you're going to be so impressed but commissions have been around at least since the time of the roman empire most of it's bullshit like you said it just makes it look like you're doing something and but it allows everybody to hopefully save face so everyone laid down their arms except for al kawukji right um he was like you know, fuck all y'all. I didn't come here to play. Um, right. I got a job to do. I'm going to do it. But his forces were eventually surrounded by the British, uh, but mm. they allowed him to cross the Jordan and go back to Iraq. They didn't uh, wipe him out. Right. To make a martyr, I guess, maybe. Yeah, yeah, they've already been through that process, I guess. It uh, never never helps. So by early November, there was this commission, the Peel Commission. Sounds good. Who, their job was to sort of examine the causes of the disturbances. They set sail for Palestine from London. Um, and thus ended the first stage of the rebellion. But of course... It didn't take. Right. Well, not only that, but here's a part that I appreciate it, and it's from a purely military point of view. The British finally had the... uh the restraints taken off them. They finally had, you know, extra men sent into the uh, 
to the uh, to the country to Palestine, and so they were able to bash heads and try to calm things down. And they're finally getting somewhere. And suddenly the fighting's over. Their political masters tell them to back up. Uh, they've got the Peel Commission. So the the British certain members of the British military are really pissed at this because their job is to win, you know, fighting and to to pacify places. So they're not they're not keen on this, but they have their political masters. They have to listen to them, but they know this is probably not the best way to go. You don't have someone almost down and then stop and start talking. You're just giving them more time. Yeah, it's it's always well, it's always a, a sort of a, um, a stalling tactic, right? right. You're trying to buy time to get some more weapons in or to Regroup. do something else to put yourself in a better position strategically. Exactly. Now, during all of this, the Zionists were trying to position the rebellion as something that was led by just an angry, outspoken minority yes. of bad Arabs. Bad apples. Uh, this, yeah, look, this isn't very widespread. Most of the Arabs love us. They love us. It's just, <laughs> you know, a couple of the noisy, the noisy minority. Kids today. Causing all yeah. of the problems. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, Chaim Weitzman, on the other hand, positioned it as a war of the desert against civilization. Basically saying, look, you know, we're just trying to bring civilization to this empty, barren land. And, you know, the people who don't live there officially, but do actually live there, uh, are just angry. Like, they hate us for our freedoms. Basically, they oh, hate us for our civilization that we're bringing to their right. their barbaric traditions. God. That's what it's all about. And he may have believed that. Like, I, I think there, there are people who can can convince themselves yeah. of that, that, look, it's kind of like the uh, white man's burden argument, right? Oh, yeah. Look, you know, we're just trying to spread civilization. Yeah. And, of course, the, the natives are going to be restless. Yeah. But uh, we're really, we're going to make their lives better. We might need to kill a couple of million of <laughs> them to do it. They'll, they'll but, benefit, uh, well, the survivors. Yeah. And, you know, this is no different, I, I think, to what I often theorize as Stalin's mindset in the 30s during the Great Purges. Mm-hmm. And the Great Purge and, the, and the, the Kulaks and the Gulags and all that kind of stuff. You know, him saying, okay, well, listen, uh, I, I need to... Uh, quickly uh, upgrade Russia from an 18th century economy into a, yeah, Yeah. into a 20th century economy. Got to do that because the Nazis are coming and the capitalists are coming. And in fact, they're the same people. And uh, (laughs) because fascists are basically just capitalists on steroids. The, the 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 capitalists are coming because they they hate us for our uh, socialist freedoms, and I need to upgrade the country really quickly, or 180 million people are all going to die. And listen, if I have to put a couple of million in prisons or or let them die in the process, that's justifiable. Right. Better that a couple of million die or go to prison than 180 million people die when the capitalists invade and try and kill us all. Um, similar sort of argument, I think, that colonialists and imperialists have when they're sort of going in with the white man's burden to try and upgrade barbaric civilizations. Very common mindset, 19th century yeah. colonialist kind of mindset. Well, there was another book I was reading um, 
Daniel, I can't remember, but anyway, but a lot of the Zionists who were well-educated yep. men um, had that. Don't fucking lie. What? You, you, you watched a clip on YouTube. Don't, that no. may have talked about a book. Don't. <laughs> Don't fucking lie. You lying, lying piece of shit. Your mother mother was a whore. Now everybody knows, Cam. Thank you. No, but but a lot of... Oh, they know. (laughs) They know. Uh, They send me emails all the time. They know. No, no, but a lot of the Zionists who were the leaders, I mean, they had had PhDs, they had college degrees, or or they had very important jobs at some point. I mean, they literally come in and they see that the Arabs are not educated, they're working the land, they're barely getting by. So yeah, their attitude, their assumptions were that they were better. And then they get there and those assumptions are justified, at least to them. So they probably do genuinely see themselves as, look, we're we're never going to treat you as an equal, but having us here and developing your country can only be a good thing. Is that arrogance? Of course it is. But I think that's what a lot of them were dealing with. Well, the designers tried to portray the Arab revolt as just another pogrom, like all the other pogroms. Oh, oh they just, they hate us because we're right. Jews. Um, they hate us because we're different. They hate us because of our religion. The, We've been oppressed for thousands of years. This, this is, is nothing just another, different. Exactly. Yeah. 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 This is just the same old pogromy thing. We're being oppressed. Help, help, <laughs> we're being oppressed. Um, now, but, you know, really they're belittling the real cause and and trying to demonize the Arabs by doing that. The battle cry of the Zionists was there is no choice, meaning there was no choice. They had to have an armed takeover of the land. Right. They couldn't, they couldn't do it peacefully. Now it had to be an armed revolt, but we know that privately, according to their diaries and their private correspondence, Mm -hmm. uh, some of the leaders anyway, knew from the beginning that it was going to be an armed yeah, uh, takeover of the country. It always had to be. They just needed to get to a position where they could get away with that Openly. without the British yeah, stopping them, exactly. um, and they or the Arabs stopping them. Um, now, when they use the word revolt in their writings or their speeches, the Arabs, this is, sorry, the Jews, this is during this period, they used it in inverted commas Ooh, to nice. delegitimize right. it, like uh, when. When uh, I got it, I got it. When Ray reads "quote unquote" books, (laughs) (laughs) like that? No, I was gonna. I was gonna say when. uh, Got this fucking mental blank. Um, Who's who's the uh, Latin American president that got? Kicked out of his country recently, recently, and we did oh, a show about Maduro, it. Maduro, oh, uh, no, not Maduro, no, not, Venezuela. That's what I'm thinking of. The, oh, the, the, the oh yeah, I'm looking right at his face. Who playing soccer with the guy? Ah, oh, shit, gone. Yeah, yeah, gone. shit. Me too, man. Like my brain, just hold on. Let me. Yeah. Bolivia. Ah, Ibo uh, Morales. Morales. Yes. Yeah, it's like Iba Morales when when uh, the New York Times or the Washington Post or whatever mm-hmm. uh, talked about that coup, they would use coup right. in inverted commas. It's a it's a coup, like a coup light. It's a coup, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they that it's it's their way of saying, well, he says it's a coup, right. but really, is it really? Yeah. Is it, yeah, so a so called coup. Right. So they were doing this thing with the revolts. It's a, they say it's a revolt, but really, is it? Anyway, the, the Zionists uh, basically tried to position the revolt as terrorism, um, not the fact, not, not these people are fighting for their freedom against uh, foreign incursion, both British 
and Jewish mm-hmm. slash Russian, basically. Again, a lot of these Zionists coming in were coming in from Russia and increasingly Germany in the late 30s. Um, no, they, they, was, they, they positioned it as terrorism because uh, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's a tried and true tactic. Then you can go, what, you, if yeah. anyone tries to defend these people, go, well, you, so you like terrorists <laughs> then? You're, you're defending terrorists? You're pro-terrorist. Really? Yeah, dick. Pro-terrorist now. Yeah. 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 Dick. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so I imagine, um, not that I'm trying to jump ahead, but I imagine that Lord Peel is not going to fall for the Zionists' ploy. Uh, yeah, no, not so much. Uh, but before we get yeah. to that, I wanted to talk about the, some of the other analogies that the Jews were using. They were Ooh. comparing the Arab revolt to the Nazis. Right. They were saying that the green Arab national flag was basically the same as the swastika. Oh, uh, nice try. You know, basically it was a symbol of national hatred. Um, so, yeah. Any know, kind of connection I, they could make. Yeah. yeah. But some, but obviously some Jews, at least privately, were aware of what was really going on. Ben-Gurion said on May 19th, 1936, Arabs see exactly the opposite of what we see. It doesn't matter whether or not their view is correct. They see immigration on a giant scale. They see the Jews fortifying themselves economically. They see the best lands passing into our hands. They see England identify with Zionism. The Arabs feel that they are fighting dispossession. The fear is not of losing land, but of losing the homeland of the Arab people, which others want to turn into the homeland of the Jewish people. They are, bitch. Sorry, that was an emotional reaction. Yeah, so Ben-Gurion, he knew. absolutely, yeah. he knew. Yeah. He knew what was going on, and if he knew, the, the others must have known as well. A guy called Moshe Sharet, who was the director of the Jewish Agency's political department later on, would become the second prime minister of Israel, said something similar. He said, fear is the main factor in all Palestinian Arab politics. There is no Arab who is not harmed by the Jews' entry into the country. Mm. Yeah. So they they knew what was going on, but they, could, they couldn't or wouldn't, wouldn't admit that publicly because uh, they needed to position themselves as... The good guys who were being oppressed right. and, the, and the Arabs were just uh, terrorists. Unreasonable. Yeah. But yeah. the smart thing that they did in this period was basically to stay on the sidelines and let the British deal with it. Right. We're not, we're not going to get involved. Uh, you do you. This is the British's, yeah. British problem. Yeah. Uh, under the mandate, the British are supposed to allow us to uh, uh, come to this land. That was part of the deal with the League of Nations. Right. Um, so that's their problem, not ours. And we don't want to put ourselves in a situation where people can blame us for inciting violence. We'll just stay on the sidelines and let the British deal with it. Ben-Gurion said from the beginning, those who today murdered our people in an ambush not only plotted to murder some Jews, but intended to provoke us. The Arabs stand again from such a development. They want the country to be in a state of perpetual pogrom. Any further bloodshed by the Jews will only bring political advantage to the Arabs and harm us. Our strength is in defence, and this strength 
will give us a political victory if England and the world know that we are defending ourselves rather than attacking, which, by the way, is still the line Israel plays to this very day. Um, Oh, well, (laughs) what, we sent rockets into the Gaza Strip and killed a bunch of civilians and kids? Listen, it was just self-defence. So there were people protesting on our border wall and we we had our snipers kill them. It was just self-defense. It's always yeah. self-defense. I'm sorry, but that's like me going into your house, taking over the main bathroom, and then hitting anybody that comes in. This is mine. I'm just defending it. Fuck, you're in my house. It doesn't matter. If you come in here, now that I'm here, I have to hit you because I'm just defending it. It's complete bullshit. But one, I think we're going to see, at least this is what I picked up on in the readings, the Jews are political masters. They are grandmaster chess players. They know exactly what they're doing. They know they can like tell the pulse of the British. They know when to push, when to not push. Two, we're going to find out how super organized the Jews are for the next couple of years. And three, you're going to see this time and time again. The Arabs, and, and not that they're wrong in this, but the Arabs are going to shoot themselves in the foot. I don't know how many times between now and 1939. They just, everything they could almost do wrong to piss off, piss off the British, they do over and over again. So the Jews were very smart to just chill and let Peel do his thing. Yeah, and as we'll see, Hitler turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to the Jews. <laughs> now, that could be an unpopular opinion. I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm not going to put that on a T-shirt no, or a coffee mug. Don't. But it was the Holocaust that you know oh, really yeah. gave the surviving Luminous. Jews around the world right. the, well, and the, the moral... Yeah. A uh, credit card. A black credit card. Do whatever you want. Yeah. It's a, open, free pass. Yeah. 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 And the Arabs on the on the other side um, didn't really have one of those. They didn't get a credit right. card. Well, they um, pissed the British off for the, the entire war. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. 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 And their, their only play was... Hey, uh, ethics, motherfucker, this is our land. <laughs> you can't kick us off it. Fuck and, you. Yeah, Britain was like, ethics. Fuck you. Okay, you can't see it, but I'm doing the universal sign of a scale with one hand and the other, you know? Ethics in one hand, Holocaust in the other. I mean, the Jews. And this thing, this thing down here, this is, you know, my uh, it's okay symbol uh, circle with a right? thumb and my index finger upside down. It's the white power symbol because... When we say ethics and freedom for all peoples, obviously, obviously we mean white people, white people, and uh, the Jews are more white than you are, so So, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's not not our fault you're not white. (laughs) Like, don't blame us. Can I say that? I don't think I can say that. No, no. Well, no. So the Jewish, the, the Zionist uh, position was what they call Havlaga. Havlaga. Uh, res- Havlaga, yeah. Restraint. Ah. Not, um, you know, not when you go to the pub at night and they say, what do you eat? I'll have a lager. <laughs> uh, they go, restraint, really? No. Yeah. Um, you should you should exercise Havlaga when you have lager. Yes. I find that's best. Don't have lager and drive is, right. you know, my. There's a coffee policy. mug. But this restraint only lasted a few months. Um, We've talked about Ergun before. Uh, By the way, Effie in New York. Hi, Effie. Hey. Uh, Our our buddy who came and travelled Europe with us uh, and uh, browbeat you into being a (laughs) vegan. How did that go? Did that take? 
Well, <laughs> I haven't checked in on that. <laughs> we'll talk later. Effie emailed me after listening to some of her early shows and she said, I think Ergun doesn't actually get called Ergun. It gets called uh, Ezel, I think, I-Z-L, mm. Ezel. Um, but fuck it, I'm well, going to call it what I'm going to call it. Well, the, um, the book that I watched on YouTube said Ergun, so... Okay. Yeah. The problem with Ezel is I sound like I'm trying to be Snoop Dogg. <laughs> and the, the Hagana Ezel started the fight. We don't want that. Please, <laughs> God, the, the, don't let him do Arabizel. <laughs> Um, Ergun and Haganah eventually started fighting back and, and they started ambushing trains, bombing and sniping at houses. Damn. And then they moved back to restraint for a while, but, of course, long term, uh, yeah. they fight back and they fight back hard. Yes. Particularly about 10 years later in the when the first war happens in 47, 48. But over the course of the next year, the British held their Royal Commission, their Peel Commission, yeah. to try and determine the reasons for the revolt as if it wasn't plainly fucking <laughs> obvious to everybody. <laughs> you just don't say Like you it. said before. Yeah. So these people invaded at your house right. uh, and uh, started, you know, basically kicking you out and... Um, Saying it's now their house. Right. I don't know. I think we need to have a big investigation into why you're upset. Mm. Um, yeah. We don't want to write, We don't want to jump to any conclusions here. Right. Uh, there might be extenuating exactly. circumstances for exactly. why you're so angry, Ray. Right. I don't understand. Where does this anger come from? Because <laughs> all I did my toilet. was come in, kick you out of your house, right. have sex with your wife, <laughs> and. Uh, Turn your children into slaves. I mean, but I don't understand why you're right. so angry. And every time I bring it up, you bring up the British mandate. So I'm really confused and hurt and angry. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So so Peel comes in. I think you said this. Peel comes in in November 11th, 1936, and it will. Who was Peel? Peel. He was the chairman of the Peel Commission. He was Lord William Robert Peel, the former Secretary of State for India. And, uh, yeah, okay, so stop. Yeah, that's all stop. I have. That's all you need to that's know. All, yeah. He ran India. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Like, come on. Yeah. He's a pro. Come on, colonialism? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, you, we colonialized before <laughs> breakfast. You can't see this, but my hands are really far apart. This is India. My hands are really close together. This is Palestine. <laughs> I think he's got this. I think he's got this. Yeah, bitch, I used to... <laughs> I used to run a, millions and millions billion, of darkies. A I, yeah, come on. Come on. Could, when it comes to handling darkies, no one's better than Lord William Peel. Right. Come on. In the in the British in the British manual of They chose wisely. <laughs> or did they? Uh ma- making the making the darkies uh do what we tell them to do, right. keeping them quiet. <laughs> he was the first Earl Peel mm. and the Lord Privy Seal. Nice. So, you know, hip hop was invented. I am the first Earl Peel and the Lord Privy Seal. You can refer to me as Lord William Peel. Yeah, good job. Putting the darkies under my heel. I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. I can't. I can't be a part of this. No. No, it's it's good. Not Virginia. Good plan. Stay stay as far away from here as you can right now. I'm I'm toxic. I'm burning up. (laughs) I'm in the South. I can't. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So I was just going to say, and, and I and I won't jump too far, but as you were alluding to a little while ago, because you know he shows up. So from when the general strike comes to an end, um, 
it, like in October of 1936, and then there's going to be some more trouble in the future. Both sides basically take this lull and they use it to rearm, reorganize, bring in fresh men, practice, get their tactics together and communications. Basically, everybody knows it's only a matter of when something starts up again, and both sides want to be ready. And during all of this, the British are talking and having interviews and and looking at maps. And the point, I don't think we said this earlier, but the Arabs stay away from Peel. They boycott it, which was stupid. Like you said, the Jews said, look, if you need to ask us questions, you go ahead and do what you got to do. We'll be happy to answer. But we're going to step back and leave you alone. Whereas the Arabs were like, fuck you. We're not going to participate. This is all bullshit. This is a sham. So they don't help themselves in that regard. Well, yeah, but... Uh, I mean, I kind of get. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. But you got to play the game sometimes. You got to play the game. Mm, mm, Do you? Doesn't hurt. Or if by play, well, I don't know. By playing the game, then you just become part of the problem sometimes. Yeah. It's it's anyway. So Peel Peel arrives in November 1936. In fact, November 11th 1936, the 18th anniversary of Armistice Day. During the hearings, the Zionists, Weizmann and Ben-Gurion in particular, argued for partition. They said, look, we don't want much. Look, we're Jews. We don't want much. We're not greedy. What have we ever asked for? All we want is a little piece of land that we can call our own. Land the size of a tablecloth, they famously said. Exactly. I would have been so fucking funny if Peel had agreed to that and literally given them <laughs> land the size of a tablecloth. He said, what? I, I, it's like Caligula. That's what Caligula would have done. Well, that's what you said. That's right, bitch. You wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know what you're complaining about. <laughs> um, but privately, uh, Ben-Gurion, in his private correspondence to his son, wrote, establishing a small state will serve as a very potent lever in our historical efforts to redeem the whole country. Mm. So just, we, we just want a foot in the door. All we need is a foot in the door, give us a piece of land that we can call our own, that's where we start, and then we will gradually build it. And they're still building to this right. very day. I was gonna, that's, that, yes. I was going to ask you to expand on the and we'll build on it part because that's what the Arabs are worried about. You give, you give a Jew an inch... They'll take a mile. I can't believe I just said that. But we know that no. we know that the Oh, that's gone on the sample. We know that the we know that the Arabs are thinking, look, if you give them any, no matter how sliver of the land, but you make it um you, you make it official, and they even if they create the smallest state on this planet, we know it's gonna happen after that. That's what the Arabs are worried about. Anything is too much. Yeah. And I, I want to clarify that by saying I don't think this is a give a Jew an inch and they'll take it. Well, this is human nature. Absolutely, absolutely. Like, you, you let anyone in with something like this and they're going to want to get a little bit more, yeah. a little bit more, particularly in a situation like this because their population is going to expand. Right. They're going to have babies. They're going to have more immigrants. They're going to go, well, we need more land now. And, and any the Arabs' fear was that any legal approval or justification – of the Jews taking over yes. Arab land would uh, sort of establish that as a precedent which would be used in future to uh, expand right. what they had. Um, and, and, you know, the Jews saw this as sacred soil as well. It's not just, 
the place where we live, this is this is very tied in to their their own religion, their right. own traditions, their own history. As much as the Jews make that claim, the Arabs make that claim as well. And as I've pointed out, they all come from the same fucking people right. and the same fucking religion, probably. Go back to right. two and a half thousand enough. years ago. Close enough. So anyway, the Peel Commission published a 404-page report in July of 1937, and it, in fact, agreed with the Zionists that recommended a partition. Ooh, yeah. The Jews would receive less than one-fifth of the entire land, basically most of Galilee, because Jesus was there. Sure, Jesus. Oh, hold on, wait. No, the Jews don't. Okay, well, just in spite cars. of the fact that Jesus was just there, cars. maybe, yeah, right. just cuz. Jesus was there, cuz. Hey, cuz. <gasps> um, JC, get the Jez, the J- Anyway. <laughs> the Jezreel Valley where Nazareth is and the coastal plain as far south as what's currently known as Ashdod on the coast just southwest of Jerusalem. So roughly the top quarter of modern-day Israel, plus a fairly large strip of coastline. The Arabs would get the Negev, the southern coastal plain, the Gaza Strip, and the present-day West Bank, and Mm -hmm. they would also be united with Transjordan. So they'd have one big, large, independent, independent Arab state. That makes sense. The British would continue to control a small strip of land, horizontal strip from Jaffa on the coast through Bethlehem and Jerusalem. Now, the interesting thing about this is when you look at this on a map, it leaves the Arabs closest to the Suez Canal. The, the, like the main fucking reason for the British supporting Zionism in the first place, right. apart from Jesus might come back one day, <laughs> is control, having friendly a friendly uh, power able to support them close to the Suez Canal. Remember the eastern right. approach to the yes. Suez Canal? But now they're offering it to the Arabs. Maybe they think, well, if you know, the Arabs will be happy because we're only giving the Jews one-fifth of the land. That's what I was thinking. They'll be yeah. ha- happy with this. By the way, I love the, I love the bit about, and the British are going to keep some too. Yeah. By the way, uh, uh, yeah. this is By the way, after the mandate ends... <laughs> We're we're gonna we're gonna still own you know the best bits, right? Uh, I'm sure you saw that coming, but just to confirm, that's how yeah. these things work. And and I guess I know Peel's there to do a job. He's there to say I've looked into this, and these two people cannot get along. It's never going to happen. Two, we we need to partition. Three, these are the areas. And and I think you're right. I think the the idea was to give the Arabs so much territory they wouldn't bitch about this, and hopefully everybody gets enough of what they wanted, so everybody signs off on this. But obviously both sides are going to be pissed because the Jews always thought they were going to get more going back to the mandate. And, of course, the Arabs don't want to give up anything as it is their land. Now, Peel also recommended uh, an exchange of people. Here we go. Mass migration. Yes. Now, remember, we talked about this in um, the Cold War episodes when we were talking about the partition of Germany after World War II and how I think both Churchill and FDR were arguing, uh, you know, during during the the, um, the fucking what's the conference of the Crimea, the Yalta conference. Right. We can't move the Germans around. You know, we can't moving large no. groups of people around Crazy. is a recipe for disasters. Yeah. It's, it's never going to work. 
Well, here they are, uh, like nine, eight years earlier. Yeah. Um, not, not them, but Peel. And he's going, yeah, well, 225,000 Arabs are going to have to move when we do this. Basically, all the ones that live in the land that's going to be the right. Jewish land, well, they got they got to move. Sorry, yeah. uh, you're gone. Um, only 1,250 Jews were going to have to and move. And they, they would want to. Yeah, go ahead. Probably, yes. But he was going to offer compensation to the people who oh, moved. Oh, that's nice. Not a totally. It reminds me. I've been reading this. Um, I've been reading Robert Caro's book on Moses, Robert Moses. Mm-hmm. You familiar with Robert Moses? No, tell me more. Wow. Yeah. See, there you go. Probably the most powerful man in the United States during the twentieth century. Really? Yeah. In what form did his power the, come? Sorry. Go ahead. He well, he basically ran every construction project in New York, Ah. uh, rebuilt all of the boroughs, uh, built highways, built parks, built bridges, built stadiums. Um, He was like the, I can't remember his official title, but it was like a bureaucrat, but he was the guy that got to approve projects, start projects, create projects. And, and his vision, according to Kara's book anyway, it was Moses's vision in the early 20th century that basically reshaped America. There was no national parks or, or you know, parklands wow. and those sorts of things. Um, uh, I mean, you, I'm, I'm talking about your Yellowstone. Right. regional your, stuff, your, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about um, parklands near cities, greenery, that kind of stuff. This guy basically built a model that was followed then by the rest of the country. Yeah. And a lot of the town planners from the rest of the country came and, and sat at his feet and learned from him how to do it, how to get the funding. But one of the things he would have to do to build new new streets mm-hmm. in New York um, is, you know, get rid of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who lived in Ooh, housing no. and move them around. He just goes, sorry, your house is being demolished. For a bigger cause. Here's a check. Yeah. Yeah, go move go move somewhere right. else. Um, yeah, an incredibly uh, powerful, powerful guy. Fascinating book. Anyway, yeah, so it just reminds me of this. Like he, he just had to move people around all the time to get the job done. Anyway, they offered compensation, but if the Arabs objected to the move, the British were prepared to move them by force. Ooh. Because as you know, yeah. look, look, we it's totally up to you because we are staunch advocates <laughs> of democracy right. and freedom, bitches, right. unless, here's the caveat, you don't do what you're told. Right. In which case... You kick your ass. Mm, yeah. 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 This is how democracy works. <laughs> what do, See, what you don't understand by democracy is really when you go into the Greek root of the word, it means do what you're fucking told by your superiors. Oh, That's what democracy really means. Okay. I, yeah. I thought it was, yes, it's, it's not very well understood. I thought it was yeah. translated like something what's best for the majority, but it's shut up, bitch, mm, and mm. get no, going. Well, let me... No, yeah, okay. see, let me break the word down okay. for you, right? You know, I'm a, I'm a linguist. Yeah. No one understands. No one linguist. knows more about. Yeah. ancient. That's right. Very much, Culling, you know that. Um, no one knows more about uh, ancient Greek than me. So democracy, demos, the people, right. cra- crazy at the end. <laughs> you'd have to be crazy to, not, to think that the right. people have any power. Right. That's what democracy <laughs> means. It's, I understand now. It means, Everything makes yeah. sense to me now. 
You'd have to be crazy to believe we would ever give you any power. Sure. What the fuck, fuck do you think this people. is? Fuck. Actually, getting getting back to Cicero, yeah. um, I've been rereading Cicero's uh, Republic uh, as a little bit of light nighttime sure. reading recently, and you know it's fascinating when you you know he's he's uh, I know I know that you you've studied this book deeply, um, yeah, three minute YouTube video at one point, but. Um, <laughs> The book is set as a dialogue between Scipio Africanus, uh, grandson of the the big big dog Scipio right. Africanus, but this Scipio Africanus also uh, fought uh, some wars against Carthage, and 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 it's him having a dialogue with some of his friends, talking about what what are the, what's the best form of government, mm. and he actually says the best form of government is actually a monarchy, right. Uh, you know, a, a, a benign, yes. enlightened monarchy is actually the best form of government. If if it's not benign, becomes toxic, then then it's a tyrant. But the best form is a democracy. If you just have to pick one form, and he, he talks about the strengths and weaknesses of monarchy, the strengths and weaknesses of being run by uh, an aristocracy, and the strengths and weaknesses of mob rule or being run by the people. And then says, actually, you know, the best kind of government is one where you combine all of those things together, mm. trying to make the argument that that's what the Roman Republic had done. You had your consul, you had your senate, right. and you had your plebs. you know tribune of the right. plebs, and you know, it was this 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 nice uh, combination of all of yeah. them. Yeah. But interesting, like he's he's saying the best form, absolutely. If you if you just wanted to pick one single best form, it would be an enlightened. Monarchy, right? And then Julius Caesar comes along five years later. <laughs> I didn't mean and him. And Caesar's like, I didn't mean him. Oh <laughs> fuck! No, I'm so Caesar just went, hey, hey, hey! I I just read your book, bitch. It's about me. And yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's like I can tell you met me all the way through it. What we really need is an enlightened monarch to make this happen. Yeah. Hey, Boom. hey! Do I, do I fill out an application? Thank you for the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah no. Well, obviously. <laughs> That book was, was the, the job gotcha, description. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he gave to me. And then, then, then Octavian came along. He read it as well and went, "Oh yeah, I, I can do this. I got this, bitch. Hold my beer." Right. So th- it's all Cicero's <laughs> fault, basically. Cicero's the one that provided the blueprint. Ah, oh, um, Cicero. But anyway, I like the fact where he talks about mob rule, and you know, yeah. and he's like. The people, the fucking people don't know shit. You can't. No, they're the you worst. You can't let the people have any say, oh, yeah. they're so fucking smelly. Yeah. They don't bathe. Uh, anyway, where are we for time? Oh, we're over. Yeah. We're over. Okay. Well, I, let me All let right. me just say this. We were talking about partition and, and forcibly moving people um, if needs must. Um, I, I like what Ben-Gurion wrote to his son uh, as far as should the Jews accept this idea of a partition. Even though they're only going to get like 20% of the land they thought they were going to get. He writes, we never wanted to dispossess the Arabs, but since England is giving part of the country promised to us for an Arab state, it is only fair that the Arabs in our state be transferred to an Arab area. So I, I don't know if he's just justifying it or if, if he knew maybe this letter would get out or if that's really how he felt. But he's basically, since we didn't get everything we want, yeah, it's only fair that these people be forced out of the, the only homes they've probably known and they're going to have to move to another country and make do as long as we get as, uh, as long as we get our state. It's all good. Yeah, fuck them. Right. All right. Well, uh, that's it. I, wanna, I do, I do want to have a, a shout out to Scotty B. Scotty. Uh, Scotty got a new job this week. Congratulations yes. to Scotty B for his new job. Right. And is this one legal? Um, no, go ahead. 
It's fine. Y- yeah, I, I, I believe it is. It's moving um, out. I'm, I'm just glad they didn't ask him, are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? Because he would have been <laughs> fucked if they'd said that. And, uh, and now that the show's out, Scotty can stop. Texting me yeah. every day going, where's, when's, Cold when's another Cold War? Yeah. Yeah, I need my fix. Cold War? Yeah. When's another Cold War show coming out? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll be back with more Juju. Bit of a cut. An iron curtain has descended across the continent. But he's a racist boy. Let's kill our way to freedom. The Soviet military buildup on the island of Cuba. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere. I probably shouldn't say that because I'm in trouble. Let's see if I can make this make sense. I, I took your advice, my penis. What the fuck? It's not the link, it's what you do with it while you have it. Who's turned on? Who's turned on by this rope that you can't see that I'm pulling? It's my penis! Love the Jews. The Jew hammer. You're not making any friends here. Nailed it. I don't think I could take anything to my penis. I'm not really into jabby jabby. And 30 minutes later. Oh, God. (laughs) No, holding, sustain.